we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our emergency freedom alerts for September 7th, 2020. I'm going to get right into this next part here. I took way too much time on the first part. I apologize, but um, felt like that needed to be said. And this is how to bind and loose. Um, now, this would be loosing angels, binding evil entities, demons, devils, things of this nature by Win Worley. Okay, now this was in 1983. This actually was recorded. So the recording isn't like the best. There's a little bit of static that you might hear. It's it's the best I can do though. And the information is super, super vital. And I very much believe applicable to this day. And it's information that is hardly ever taught now in modern day churches. They just, you know, even though it's biblical, it's not something that you're gonna hear. So praise the Lord. I'm going to speak this morning on the subject of binding spirits and loosing spirits. This is uh, binding evil spirits and loosing the spirits of God. Some of you have heard the message before. It may be new to some. But for those who have heard it, it will be good to review. For those who have not heard it, it will be a real revelation and an understanding into a deeper walk with God. The business of binding and loosing spirits came to our understanding some oh few years ago now i guess it is we've been walking in this truth and it has been now if you're not familiar there's two verses that talk about this matthew 16 19 jesus said and i'll give you give thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven uh, speaking to his disciples now we have the Bible talks about in greater things you, you will do. So we have this power as Christians. It's just that, and it's a part of a vital part of spiritual warfare, but most of us aren't taught anything about this. So we've got this big gap, maybe in a spiritual warfare that we're not utilizing. And then Matthew 18, 18, Jesus said, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now he's going to give you a whole teaching on this. I just wanted to set the stage scripturally for why we're doing this. Such a blessing. There are so many things that people come to me with problems about, especially concerning demonic problems, and say, what can I do about this situation, that situation? And a lot of times I look at them and I say, the best thing you can do, and at the same thing, the uh, only thing you can do is to bind and loose. And it's wonderful that the remedy is the best thing you can do at the same time it's the only thing you can do. Many things you can't do. Binding and loosing will work at any distance. And it is a tremendous step of authority for the believer. And once you move into this realm of authority, the devil will try his best to get you to forget it. There may be some listening to me now who have been in this realm and have kind of let it slip and said, Oh, well, you know, I used to do that, but I've kind of slipped off. We have a booklet called Warfare Prayers, which uh, will help you get into it and give you some model prayers to go by. They're not to be repeated by rote necessarily. They just give you some guidelines to go by. And then we also have a little booklet pulled from the books called uh, Breaking Curses and Binding and Loosing, which will give you uh, a condensed version of Binding and Loosing, what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, when we first got into deliverance, People are always telling me, they say, well, we don't know much about it. You couldn't know much less than we did at Hegwish when we first began with binding and loosing. 
because we didn't even know how to stop when we got started. We had to stay and stay all night a lot of times because uh, we had a tiger by the tail. We had him out of the cage, but we couldn't we couldn't get rid of him, and we had to wait till we got rid of him. So we just had to wear him out, and sometimes we were pretty worn out before it was over too. Because as you remember, when we started in deliverance, we didn't even speak in tongues. Uh, that uh, may come as a shock to some, but the Bible doesn't say that you have to do all these things. It just says you do what God says, and He'll do what He He'll do His thing. You start commanding demons to come out, and they will, in Jesus' name, if you take your authority over them. Well, at any rate, we uh, somebody came along one time after uh, many weeks or months into deliverance that we were in, and there's some here that can remember those days, and uh, they said, well, you can bind those things. That's in Matthew 18, 18, which says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Wow, what a relief. We began to get a little sleep. Up to then, you know, it was uh, once we started him up, once we got him on the run, we had to stay with him till we got him out. That's all we knew how to do. Now that we found a way where we could stop, bind him up, get the person that was in deliverance rest, get the workers rest, and come back with the work, everybody rested up and go after him again. And this was really great. This was a great step forward. So we began to bind the evil spirits that we dealt with, and we also found it effective in hindering their activity even while we were working with them. And we use this verse, uh, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Boy, that was a good verse. Of course, there was a, another part of that verse I noticed. It said, whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I didn't know what to do with that. Because I liked binding them, but I didn't care too much for the idea of loosing them. I was more interested in choking them down than letting them loose. That didn't appeal to me too much. Well, I didn't understand how that fit in the scheme of things, so we began to use the first part of the verse, and we bound them in Jesus' name. And, of course, the binding worked, and it will work for you. And that's good. And most people, most believers who know anything about, uh, I've talked to them across the country, and they say, I say, do you know about binding and loosing? And they're telling me about a problem. I said, do you know how to bind and loose? Oh, yes. I bind Satan every day. Well, I doubt that that does a whole lot of good. I mean, that's just like saying, uh, I bind the sun to keep it from rising, almost. I doubt that we can bind Satan. He's a pretty good-sized adversary in the first place. And besides that, if we just bind him, we're just kind of scattershotting. We need to get more specific and bind the agents through whom he works. He's off up in the heavenlies running his universe and directing it. He does this through principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, world rulers, kings, princes, thrones, dominions, all of those sort of things. And you remember Paul said, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with Satan. Did he? No, he didn't. He said, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we do wrestle with principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, world rulers, kings, and princes. And so I think when you start binding, start binding on that level, and I think you'll get some results, and rather quickly. Now, the demonic world does not want the truth of binding and loosing to get out, that's for sure. And a lot of people, when they talk about binding and loosing, they're just talking about binding Satan. Oh, yes, I bind Satan every day. I've seldom seen anybody who got much help that way. And then others have gone a little further and they say, well, I bind the demons every day. Now you're getting close. Now you start binding specific spirits. Then you're getting close to the heart of things and that will work. But you're only doing half of it, you see. 
that's good as far as it goes. It's just not the whole show. But we went along for months, I don't know, maybe years, and we were battling the enemy and successfully binding these spirits, hindering or choking off their activities to the place where people could get relief and help and even deliverance by using the binding powers that we had. And yet we pondered about uh, whatsoever we shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. <clears throat> and then there came a day <clears throat> when I was studying and I ran across, I was reading a book on deliverance. It was a rather poor book, so I won't even mention its name. It's not worth reading. But I read a lot of books that are not that good, but I looked through them anyway. But the book did say one thing that was of value, and this one thing was that the, they were talking about evil spirits and not the spirits of God, although there were spirits of God. And for some reason, when I read it that day, that rang a bell in my mind. That's the only thing I remember about the book. The rest of it was really off the wall. But at any rate, that particular statement rang a bell in my mind, spirits of God. And I remember that when I was in seminary, we asked the professor about the spirits of God. Because they're mentioned, seven spirits of God are mentioned uh, twice in Revelation around the throne. And then in Isaiah 11:2, it names seven spirits of God that go to and, forth, uh, to and forth through the earth. And I began to wonder about the seven spirits of God again. Now, when we were in seminary, we asked the professor, and so he gave us a nice theological explanation that seven was the number of God and completeness, and so, of course, uh, everything was in sevens, and the, the seven represent the completeness of the Holy Spirit. Well, that sounded pretty good. I didn't know any reason why it wasn't all right. It just didn't thrill me that much, but I put it away. And... I never thought too much more about it. By the way, uh, back to this verse 18, when we found this whatever you bind on earth, we found that worked, and that whatever you loose on earth, I didn't know what it meant, so I did what I learned many years ago as a baby Christian. Some older, wiser Christian told me, when you run across the scripture, you don't know what it means. Don't throw it away, don't deny it, and don't worry yourself to death about it. But just tell the Lord I believe this scripture I have no idea what it means I don't know because I don't know what it means I can't apply it to my life but I believe it because you said it father and you've never said anything that wasn't right when I understand it as you want me to I'll know how to apply it in my life and where it fits in the meanwhile I'm gonna put it on in this cubby hole right here I'm not gonna throw it away I'm just gonna store it and if you want me to use that scripture you're gonna to have to show me what it means and how to use it and then I'll do it that's what I did to the last half of that 18th verse that way I didn't have to sit around every day and wander and say oh I can't go any further in my Bible study till I know what the last half of that verse is I find people stalled out all over the country well I was studying the Bible you know and then I struck this verse and I couldn't understand it so I just quit the devil would like nothing better than for you to stall out. Listen, there are things in this book that you and I will never understand until we get to heaven. But there are a lot of them that we're going to understand if we pursue God and if we'll just use what we have and keep on moving and ask the Lord for more. Haven't you found that to be true? But don't sit around and stall out on your 
scriptures trying to understand every jot and tittle. It's good to have an inquiring mind. It's better to have one that keeps moving. And you can come back to these puzzlers every once in a while and say, Hey, Lord, you know, I'm still wondering about that verse. Exactly what that means. If you tell me what it meant, I sure would appreciate it. And one of these days, when it's time, he'll tell you. Now, we went along for months and didn't know what this last half of this verse was. And I remembered when I read this book and it triggered my mind, the spirits of God, there are spirits of God. I thought, I've been meaning to look that up sometime. For years, I thought I'd go and look that up sometime in the concourse. I never had. So I just went to the concordance, picked old Strong's up. And um, when I get to have him, I'm going to hug old Augustus Strong's neck. He sure has saved me a lot of headaches and solved a lot of problems for me. I don't know how he kept him going crazy writing that thing, but uh, have you ever thought of how much work there is to that? My word, that man. At any rate, I looked it up in Strong's and Cords, and the first thing when I looked up spirits, I was stunned at the number of scriptures that were in there that had to do with spirits. And they weren't all Holy Spirit. Why, there were all kinds of spirits. And I found funny spirits in there. I found spirits of peace, joy, long-suffering. I found all kinds of spirits. Spirits of, of singing, spirits of this, that, and the other that I'd never even thought about being in the scriptures. It's a long, long list in fine type. And I began to go through these scriptures. And I thought, boy, this, uh, you know, I was like a, a bird dog that's on the trail of some birds. I haven't seen them yet, but I've, I've heard the whir of their wings. I know they're around there somewhere. And I was getting excited. I felt like, Lord, I believe you're going to give us a breakthrough. I, I just sensed we were on the, was on the verge of coming to a breakthrough in deliverance to give us even more power over the enemy, more ability to defeat him, more ability to set people free, and above all, to teach them to set themselves and their friends free. And so finally, I landed over in 1 John 4.1 when I was running references. 1 John 4.1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits to see if they be of God. Now, I had read that verse, no telling how many times, when I was a baby Christian. Uh, because 1 John was one of my favorite books. I used to read and reread it. And... Uh, the, when I went through it, this time, though, it jumped at me. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, plural, to see if they be of God, these, these plural spirits. Now, if there was only a Holy Spirit and then a bunch of a horde of evil spirits, when you ran across a spirit, when you knew it wasn't the Holy Spirit, all you do is cast it out. But he's not talking about that. He says, try them, check them to see if they be of God. In other words, there are evil spirits and there are spirits of God. I said, Lord, I need more than that. And so I kept running references and I finally ended up, I really hit pay dirt when I got to Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, again, a chapter I'd read and preached from many, many times. And yet this time, something strange happened when I hit verse 7. It says, speaking of God, who maketh his angels to be spirits. And I felt like I ought to receive the Dumb Dumb Award of the Year. There it was in print, plain English. God makes his angels to be spirits. They are the spirits of God. 
Now that may seem very elementary if you've been moving in this truth, but listen, it hit like a bombshell in my head. And I went on down to verse 14, including on another use of spirit, and it said, these angels who are the spirits of God shall be the ministering spirits for those who shall be the heirs of salvation. Are there any heirs of salvation here? Oh, yes. I'm an heir of God, joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm interested. When it speaks of heirs, I want to see what it's talking about, don't you? And it says, he makes his angels to be spirits, ministering spirits, for those who shall be the heirs of salvation. When that was written, I was one of those shall be's. I was down the road a piece, weren't you? Several hundred years. And now I find out that one part of my inheritance as a child of God, part of the thing that God has promised to me is that I have angels who will minister for me. The angels of God, the spirits of God will minister on my behalf. Now I knew from previous studies that one third of the angels of God at a time in the past had joined with Lucifer and the super angel and had fallen and been cursed by God and fell to the and were cast into the earth eventually and that this is their particular habitation the second heaven and the earth and I knew this and I always liked the fact that we had a two-for-one majority when we went to fight with the enemy because there were two of God's angels for every one of the evil spirits that's a good majority in anybody's game especially when the angels of God are armed with swords and according to what our demonic friends quote unquote have complained about they were disarmed when they fell God removed their swords and so they're no longer armed and they are at a great disadvantage when they engage the spirits of God now, now what he means there is when he's done deliverance sessions and got into dialogue with devils or demons possessing people they have said that to him now granted not to say that you you're going to want to believe everything they're saying but i kind of wanted to give you the context there the angelic spirits of god then are ministering spirits for those who shall be the heirs of salvation now, of course, you're immediately run into problems with people saying, hey, you can't fool around with angels. That's pain. Now, also, and I've said this before, the angels are here to minister us, but the reason they're here is to help us accomplish what God's put us on this planet to accomplish. And that is written about us in our books in heaven. The Bible talks about our books that are written about us before time. Okay. What we want to try to do is live our lives in such a way where we're in as close alignment with what is written about us in our books, which I believe is God's perfect will. The Bible talks about there's like the acceptable, the perfect, the pleasing will of God. There's different wills of God, okay? What we want to try to do is align our lives with the perfect will of God, which is, I believe, probably what is written about us in our books in heaven. And those angels are sent here as ministering spirits to help us fulfill our purpose that are written about us in the books of heaven. Uh, the, and again, this is all scriptural, what I'm telling you. That's, but that's why we want to, um, you, you don't, well, like, like a lot of people maybe would say, well, I just want them to do things for me and do my bidding and stuff like, no, it's not about that. It, it's about you fulfilling 
your purpose, why God put you here, okay? And it's different for everybody. We all have different callings and different purposes and different things that we all have different talents and different levels of faith. So it's not cookie cutter. But I, I wanted to also give a little clarification on that as well. First business. Now I wonder who started that. Well, we don't want any angel worship. We certainly don't. But I'll tell you this, who had command on angels over angels when he was on earth? Did Jesus have them? Amen. Could he command angels? Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when that soldier took a swipe, uh, reached out and grabbed Jesus, and then Peter grabbed his sword and tried to chop his head off, and the guy ducked and he got his ear? You certainly didn't think he aimed for his ear, did you? And uh, Peter was a better shot than that. But at any rate, remember what Jesus told Peter is so significant. He said, put away your sword because if I had wanted to, I could have called the Father and what would have happened? He would have sent angels. So the, the Lord Jesus had Legions. command over angels. Did they minister to him? Remember in the Gethsemane? After the tremendous trial he went through where he almost died in the garden and he prayed for strength to make it to the cross, uh, you remember? It said angels came and ministered unto him. Now, Jesus had command over angels. Now, who did he give this command to when he left? He's at the right hand of the Father. Behold, I give you power, delegated authority, power of attorney, over all the delegated authority of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. And that power includes the authority to command angels. Now we never under any circumstances worship angels. Don't forget that. There's never any occasion to worship an angel of any rank. There's never any reason to pray to an angel. You said, well, okay, I now let's look at that, just that one verse that he just said, just so if, if you're wondering about that, um, <clears throat> Jesus said in Luke 10, 19 to the disciples, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Uh, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits, meaning the evil, wicked spirits are subject unto you are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Okay. So, you know, so you don't let pride well up. I remember a few times, seems to me like in the old Testament, when men fell down before the angel of the Lord. Yes. And they were not rebuked for it. You know why? Because when that happened, that was Jesus before he ever came, pre-incarnate. Pre means before incarnate in the flesh. Before he came in the flesh, he made appearances. Mm -hmm. Melchizedek was one of the times those, that, that appearance was made, the um, Melchizedek. The angel of the Lord was the one that wrestled with Joshua, or was, uh, appeared with Joshua, took charge of the host. The angel of the Lord was the one that wrestled with Jacob. And you'll find the angel of the Lord making his appearance. And when he does, men will pay homage to him and not be rebuked. You remember Abraham fell down before some angels that came. They said, get up, we're just servants. Mm -hmm. The angels of God will not accept worship. Right. The yeah. other kind you don't want to fool with. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you have, okay, in other words, if you have an angel appear before you, which could happen, okay, I mean, come on, God's created the universe and there's nothing too hard for him. Um, if they receive your worship, if like, in other words, a lot of times what will happen is if an angel appears to somebody, they're so awestruck by angels. Now, remember, Satan, Satan um, can appear as an angel of light. So Satan can counterfeit that or his ministers can appear as ministers of righteousness. But also, I believe his fallen angels and these types of things can counterfeit good angels. And um, the Bible's very, very clear on that. And you, if an angel appeared before you and you fell down and started worshiping them, you don't like, in other words, you're on autopilot. You don't know what's going on. You're, you're just, you know, awestruck type of thing. If they're um good angels they're not going to receive your worship okay that's an indicator if they receive your worship oh you better believe a devil or a fallen angel they love that i mean that's one of the big biggest things satan craves is worship worship that was one of the re i think that was one of the main reasons he fell in the first place when he was lucifer because he said i will ascend under the sides of the north i will be like the most high well he was looking at the Most High and look, looking at all the praise and the worship he was getting, and he was jealous of that. I think that's a major factor. So that's just something to bear in mind. I mean, you know, to log away in your memory banks. Amen. I don't think that the devil's angels can't, I haven't forgotten how to dress up and look pretty. They can certainly look beautiful. Oh, yeah. And they will if that's what it takes to get you. But at any rate, we do not pray to angels, we do not worship angels, but we as believers have a power of attorney left to us by Jesus who came back from the grave saying, all power is given me in heaven and earth. That means we can call for these who are the ministering spirits, the ministering spirits for those who shall be heirs of salvation. I have power in Jesus' name to pray to the Father in Jesus' name for angels to come and minister to me or for me in whatever I need. Now that's a pretty wide scope, isn't it? You say, well, I don't know. I'd be a little afraid to do that. Well, then you won't ever get anything done. You've got to move off your do-nothing and begin to reach out and believe the promises of God if God is going to help you and do something for you. If he's going to help me, we've got to believe what he says. Now, we ran into this binding and loosing thing, and if you back up to the 16th chapter of Matthew, let me see, it's in, um, oh, in verse um, 19, you'll find out this binding and loosing is the keys to the kingdom. You hear a lot of talk about the keys to the kingdom. The Catholic Church doesn't have it. They never have had it. The keys to the kingdom are, are given to believers who take their authority to bind and loose. Now let's see what binding and loosing means. Bring it back to 1818 again. All of a sudden, verse 18 and Matthew 18 began to take on a new significance. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth, it shall be bound in heaven. Now, I like that when we've been using that. Basically, all that verse means is, whatever you bind on earth, I'm down here on earth. In the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of lust 
in me and somebody else or across the country are in the heavenlies. See, angels can travel any direction. One reason they made, were made spirits, they can go down inside of you where the trouble is. Isn't that nice? You go to a deliverance preacher or a deliverance worker, they can't reach down your throat and pull the demon out by his heels. But an angel can go in there and get him. Hmm? Aren't you glad? You say, yeah, you got an awful big hand there. You may feel like somebody's reached down your throat when they start coming out, but the angels of the Lord can do what we cannot do. That's not the only reason God made them spirits. That's one reason, though. They go down inside where the spiritual problems exist. Now, whatever you bind on earth, I say in Jesus' name, Father, in Jesus' name, I bind this wicked spirit down here. So what does God do? The request is made on earth. It's bound in heaven. Heaven says, approved. Request approved. Stamped approved. And it goes through and instantly the binding takes place. I may not see it, but the spirit world recoils before it. Alright? Now, look at the second part of it. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm down here on earth again, still here, haven't gone to play any place. Whatever I loose on earth, Father, in Jesus' name, I want you to loose some angels, some spirits of God up there, to go and minister to John over there. I want to send some spirits of encouragement, some spirits of consolation, some spirits of joy, some spirits of peace. Send them to him now in Jesus' name to help him out. Whatever I ask on earth, whatever I shall loose on earth, shall be loosed where? In heaven. I say, Father, would you loose those angels? And heaven says, approve. See, it comes through the right channels. You go to the Father in Jesus' name, and he releases those angels to go immediately to do it. Now, they can go to China as quickly as they can go right here. You have to understand that time does not bind them. The space problem doesn't exist for them. Quicker than you can think, they're on the job doing what you requested in Jesus' name. It's part of the believer's inheritance to be able to bind evil spirits and to loose the spirits of God. Now this is a stupendous thing and we have not even yet plumbed the depths of all that this means, although we've been using it for months now. We have not yet come to an understanding of how much is involved, how much disaster happens in the spirit world when we use these weapons of our warfare by binding evil spirits and loosing the spirits of God. By the way, you can loose angels by the legion. There's only 6,000 in a legion. And God has millions and millions and millions of angels, so you're not going to deplete heaven. I mean, this is one time you don't have to be stingy. You can just launch enough to do the job. I mean, you don't have to be careful about this. You can just let them fly. And we've been doing this for a good long while. And the warfare prayers had gone out across the land. I guess there's 100,000 copies scattered through the land already. 
And people across the land were using these as models to go by to bind and loose for themselves, for their home. Now, you can find those um, online. I'm going to actually provide a uh, another uh, audio that he did in 1980 regarding the warfare prayers. But if you just do Win Worley Warfare Prayers, you can there's this little booklets, and I'm pretty sure Hegwich uh, Baptist Church still sells them. Win Worley's more like a, I guess what you would refer to as a Baptocostal, meaning kind of part Pentecostal, part Baptist. Now, to be quite honest with you, I would have to say I fall into that category quite, I, I was in both, and I saw there were certain amounts of truth, obviously in both the Baptists and the Pentecostal. Now, you know, you got to really be careful on the Pentecostal and the Charismatic in particular, because that can turn into a real circus, okay? He's... He much more leans, I would say, to Pentecostal type of thing. Um, and, you know, we could get into a big, gigantic debate about all that. I'm just trying to give you background here of where he's kind of coming from. Uh, I tend to lean more toward that as well. I think there's truths that you can glean out of both. But I also think, particularly regarding the charismatic type of thing, you've got to be very, very careful because it is extremely landmindish. There's landmines everywhere. It's dangerous. It's dangerous territory to try to navigate. And um, I think that's why God had me in both, though, to kind of see from both perspectives. Um, because they're they're the most... I went from the most radical sect of charismania. Kind of started out in regular Pentecostal and radical charismania. And then all the way over to the most strictest sect of independent, fundamental, KJV, um, King James only, unincorporated, unregistered, baptist church it's the most strict hardcore but um i kind of saw the pros and cons of both you know and I, i've i've talked about that in many many broadcasts that i've done in the past i can't really rehash all that now but i kind of want you to understand where he's kind of coming from but if you just key in win worley warfare prayers you should be able to find um in fact i'll probably do that now okay and i, I just did that and i'm just going to give you the link i i when i did this i mean the first five top search things i mean some of them i think you can just print off online some of them if you want the booklets you can get that there's a kindle edition so i'm just going to go ahead and post that link under here um and it'll be under how to bind and lose spirits and there then i have two little related things and one of them is a keyword search for win worldly warfare prayers and then um the other one is to another one of his teachings uh, on warfare prayers. Okay, so just I, I just wanted to let you know I'm going to add that in. Okay, so let's go back to the to the uh, audio. For their children, for their nation, for their business, and everything else, using these pattern prayers, and they've been going on for a couple of years, I guess. And I had a demon cornered one time and a rather high-ranking demon in another part of the country. And he looked at me with great hatred and he said, you've got to stop teaching binding and loosing. This is the most horrible thing you've ever done. He said, you've done a lot of terrible things, Worley, but this is one of the worst. This is one of the rottenest. <laughs> He said, we have not had this much trouble in centuries. You know why binding and loosing is so deadly? 
because the average believer can pick it up and do it. It doesn't, you don't have to go and take a course in Bible school. You can just take a few simple verses and begin to move in your authority and things will begin to happen within a week to two weeks. It's a difficult case, but you'll begin to start noticing changes. And if you are more persistent than the demons, you'll win. I find that believers are incredibly lazy. They give up. You know, on the plains of hesitation bleats the bones of millions who at the dawn of victory sat down to rest and while resting died. And I find a lot of believers bleaching their bones just when they were about to win. They say, well, I just got so tired of buying any losses, so I just quit. When we get to heaven, we're going to find out you probably quit just in the nick of time. The enemy was about to be smashed completely. My encouragement to you is to keep on binding, keep on loosing. It does an incredible amount of damage to the spirit world. There's no way we can even gauge the deadly inroads made by our being obedient and binding evil spirits and loosing the spirits of God. This demon told me that the plans of the Illuminati were now 10 years behind. They were falling behind, not at a chronological rate, but faster. Instead of falling behind a month in a month's time, they'd fall behind six months. And they said it was mainly because of binding and loosing. Binding and loosing. And you know, you remember that here in Hegwish we had prayed against the witches and the witchcraft things many months back. I just got a testimony out of a witch who was the second in command to um, LaVey, Anton LaVey, the Church of Satan. By the way, the Church of Satan is just window dressing. The depths of the wickedness that LaVey is in does not emerge in the Church of Satan. That is just mild compared to what he's really into. But this guy was the second honcho. Guess what? He's saved and he's in Peter's Church in New York right now. And he gave a rundown on a list of demons that will knock your eye out to prevail in the, the big high moguls. He also gave me a list of people who've been saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit out of those high ranks. It's been working people. We thought maybe we hadn't made, done any good, but God's been snatching those people and saving them. And that's the best way to tear down somebody's operation, isn't it? Say, uh, take their leaders and change them over to your side? Hmm? God's a good strategist. And he's been raiding the fold of the enemy. So step up your binding and loosing concerning the witches and the warlocks. They want out. Many of them want out. They just don't think there's any possibility. Well, if they went to the average church, do you think they could find the way out? Knowing what they do about the demonic, knowing what they do about demonic activity, if a witch or a warlock were to go, or a Satanist were to go to the average fundamental Bible church thundering out against sin, well, now that person doesn't need convincing they're in sin. They already know that. But the ones that want out, can they find help there? They need help. And here they find them denying the fact of the supernatural, explaining it away. Just imagination, superstition. They can't find help. Why? Because there's little faith in that church in the real verities of spiritual reality. Well, but they're coming out. And God is moving. Isn't that encouraging? 
So keep pressing on. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And this demon told me, he said, the Illuminati has been so messed up. This principalities that guide all the wicked movements of the New Age movement, the economic block, the political and the financial maneuverings and meanderings are guided by principalities and powers who work through thrones, dominions, and all of these other various step-downs. They issue orders and power going down through the channels to arrange the disaster and that gets down here. The bottom line is the human dupes like Rockefeller and the others who are highly demonized, who are running around doing their bidding. They're so demonized they don't even know what they're doing. But they're following the dictates of a master plan of Satan. But this demon said, things are in so much confusion because those stupid, simple-minded idiots across the country, they pick up that blankety-blank warfare thing every morning. Hundreds of them. They pick it up. Here they go. Now, Lord, let me see. We bind in Jesus' name. We send legions into the principalities and powers. And they go right down the stupid list and said, here comes legion after legion of angels with chains coming and binding. And said, about time they get one flight, here they come from another direction. There's some more idiots busy. And they're just sending them from everywhere. The angels of God are coming. And they're throwing everything into confusion. So they bind them. They gag them. They put sacks on their heads. Said, it's disgusting. Said, not only that, they cut down all the communication lines. And the, and the runners, you might say, the spiritual runners that take the messages down to the earth can't get through they're blocked and, and hamstrung and, and thrown down and hindered and the principalities and powers are busy fighting off trying to fight off these hordes of angels that come from those idiots said it's all your fault you and those idiots that are teaching this you've got to stop it <laughs> you know something I mean how gigantically huge is what he just said but I would honestly like to know how many people are doing that now. The, the concept of that is so gigantically, hugely, from a spiritual standpoint, earth-shattering. But how many are doing it now? Why can't we? Why can't we do that? If there was ever a time where that was needed, it's now. And I understand God's will is going to happen. I mean, the revelation is going to happen. Daniel's going to happen. Second <laughs> Thessalonians chapter two is going to happen. Matthew 24 is going to happen. All that's going to happen. But I still think we should fight and occupy like Jesus said, till, till Jesus comes back. And, and this is something that, um, that we need to be doing. You say, oh, you're just spinning dreams. You're just wondering. I don't think so. That demon was genuinely upset. Why would he be upset? If we were just spinning our wheels for nothing, why would he even bother to talk about it? Let them go ahead and waste their time. But it isn't a waste of time. That's it. We've found a secret. We've found a crack in the armor. And I'm convinced there are many, many more. Binding and loosing is only the beginning of opening up the whole spirit world so it can be attacked with all the power of Jesus Christ. The early church did it. When Paul wrote letters, what did he do first? He said, grace and peace to you. Why? Because they needed grace and peace to read those letters. 
They needed it in their daily lives, didn't they? And you'll he said, I pray that you'll have a spirit of understanding of what the will of God is. He's sending spirits. Read his epistles again. It's amazing. It's in there. They used, they used it just routinely. So what happened? The whole world exploded before them as they went. They went like huge bombs blowing apart whole cities. One small party would hit a large city like Ephesus and it would go into an uproar. Yeah. In true. a matter of days, the whole city would be in an uproar. You can have a meeting in uh, a big metropolitan area now and they won't even, most of the people never know you've been there. There's no uproar. Hmm? But you know why? Because they went binding and loosing. They went armed with this knowledge and understanding that God is bringing back into the church in full force. And that which has been seen dimly, if at all, in the past, is coming into bold relief. It says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Those are positive promises. You can loose spirits into yourself. You can bind spirits in yourself. You can reach out and loose and bind spirits in other people. You can reach across the country. You can ask the angels to go and minister for you. Ministry covers a great deal of territory. You can send ministry angels ahead of you to that interview. You can send ministry angels to take care of a difficult situation that you're facing to create favor with you with the people that you need favor with. Now, this is in accordance with God's will. I mean, obviously, he's not getting into all the specifics, but I really believe it that the angels will go before you go before you if what you're asking is in accordance with what's written about you in your books and what is in accordance with God's will, which would be what is written about you in your books. Uh, I mean, you can ask something unbiblical and that's not going to happen. Is, what, is the point I'm trying to make. Will this solve all your problems? No, but it's certainly worth trying. doesn't cost anything, does it? It's been paid for. You're only out the praying if it doesn't work. But what are what's happening if it works? You're ahead, way ahead. But you got to keep at it too. This isn't something that, you know, you just try one time or do one time and if you don't see immediate results, I mean like the Bible said in Daniel where Daniel had to do a 21-day what they called Daniel fast, partial fast, but the prince of Persia was inhibited um uh, inhibited the angel getting there. So this is something that you got to stick with. And that's one thing with Win Worley, and I don't, I don't know if he says it here, uh, but you need to stick with things, uh, particularly if you're not getting an immediate answer. You, you stick with it until you do or until God, you know, shows you the answer. And you're going to find out that this will work if you combine it with intelligent prayer and Bible study so that God can guide you into the places he'll throw you into the forefront of the battle. And as you bind and loose, and as you send the spirits of God to others to bless them, to encourage them, the spirit of adoption to draw people to Christ. Amen. Remember that spirit of adoption 
you got unsaved family members okay well that's the spirit you loose on them and then i also pray that <clears throat> there the, there's a bible verse that says the goodness of god leadeth thee to repentance and then it also says the severity of god leadeth thee to repentance now i really believe in most cases it's the severity of god that will lead most people to repentance especially in today's day and age with things the way they are you know um it's going to take the severity of god commingled with the spirit of adoption for a lot of people to get saved uh <clears throat> now sometimes it's the goodness of god that will actually lead them to repentance because you know repentance is is has a lot to do with salvation i mean if you're not willing to repent and you're not willing to look upon your own sinful state and, and acknowledge the need for a Lord and Savior, you're not repenting. You're not going to get saved. You have to humble yourself before God. You could you could pray for them if they need, if they're full of pride, you could pray for them the spirit of adoption and the spirit of humility to come upon them. And the, you know, the goodness and or the severity of God, whatever is needed, God knows what they need. That's how I tend, tend to pray for um, regarding now i don't i haven't done this enough myself but those these weapons and these tools are there for our use as christians now you know after i got a hold of this thing i brought it to the church of course and i was really steamed up about it and i was excited and i i brought it and dropped and um so uh they were busy writing notes and everything. I think it was on a Thursday night probably when I shared Okay, now where does it talk about the spirit of adoption? Romans 8, 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now that would be a demonic spirit, which a lot of people I believe are in over this COVID-19 thing. They're in the spirit of bondage again to fear. Everybody's fearing, oh, I'm going to catch COVID-19, even though, you know, it's basically non-existent at this point. And there's so much... <laughs> I've pointed out so many things about it. I'm try to get into that today if we can ever get there. But um, that's that's those are evil spirits. The spirit of bondage again to fear, and that's fear of man. The the fear of man bringeth a snare. The Bible says like a trap. Okay, um, but the fear of God is connected with understanding, wisdom, knowledge, angelic protection all of these really good things are associated with the fear of god which is also connected with humility before god okay um but let me read this whole verse again for you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but ye have received the spirit capital s of adoption it's a specific angel called the spirit of adoption now i know a lot of times you, you you might not have ever heard it you might have read over that verse and not even thought about it it's capital s in the king james whereby we cry abba father like abba daddy father when when the spirit of adoption comes on you then oh god is my daddy god is my father it's it's a it's a humbling thing we cry abba father so the spirit of adoption i believe will will humble us too and and let us see you know most likely our fallen state and our need for a savior 
but I mean, these are these are really, really major things, guys, we're going over. This is not, I mean, this is one of the most important teachings I have ever played ever in all my years of ministry. You might want to listen to it over and over. And he's got a whole bunch of things you can listen to. I mean, he's got all kind of stuff. A lot of them are from 1980. I mean, the early 80s. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know, you go back and have all these teachings from the 80s and they're, and they're so important for today, though. The following Sunday morning, as I recall, we were in deliverance, and I was over here on this side, and there were people all over being delivered, and I heard a demon scream out right over in here, no, no, I'm not coming out. I will not. Well, that wasn't anything too unusual. I've heard that before. But about five minutes later, I heard that same demon holler out and said, now, what did you have to do that for? Now I'm going to have to come out. <laughs> well, I'm always interested in that. That sounded good. So I just uh, simply got somebody else to take my cover me over there, and I slipped over here. Happened to be Dennis over here working on that thing. I said, Dennis, I said, what did you do to that thing to make it give up so quick? And he looked up at me like a grinning like a goat eating briars. <laughs> and he flipped his big old Bible open. He said, well, he said, you know, Pastor, after you preached that sermon, said, I just went home and I got my concordance down and I wrote down all the references and to all the spirits in the concordance. I felt like telling him, shut up. I would have told you to do that. I'm the pastor. <laughs> You're supposed to wait for me to tell you to do those things. But I didn't say anything. And, and he said, so I went down my list here when that demon wouldn't come out and I, I just loosed burning destruction and judgment in now, when I was looking for him, I never thought about that. But I would have. You understand? I would have. But he'd already... Now, you could say, well, the, there wouldn't be that. Well, the Bible talks about death angels that God sent. And, I, and they, weren't, they weren't evil. They were, they were angels of God that God has loosed. In, in the Old Testament in particular. So, yeah. You know, when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit... And that was most likely like a holy death angel that struck them. You know, I'm not saying there's not a death angel like the angel of death, like Azrael that we've talked about before. But I also believe that, you know, angels of God's judgment, they, those things exist. When you read the Old Testament, I mean, come on, <laughs> particularly the Old Testament. Stone to it. Praise the Lord for people who search the scriptures to see if these things be so and learn how to put them in practice. Amen. I tell people when I go across the country in meetings, I tell them I got a church full of smart alecks. <laughs> they always walking up to me and say, Pastor, you've probably already seen this scripture, but it sure did help get this demon out. And they read me a scripture and I feel like, them, I would have thought of that. <laughs> You're supposed to let me tell the people about all these good things. <laughs> now he's being funny. No, I think it's a wonderful thing, testimony, that when people move into deliverance and into ministry, they begin to search the scriptures and God begins to unveil to them wonderful truths that they can share. We share with one another. That's why I keep saying all the time, there are no stars in deliverance. There's only workers. Some have been at it a little longer, but there's only workers. And everybody's in a growing process. Amen. And if you're not growing, well, just get started. All you have to do is kick her, kick her in gear and get on the way. So that's how we moved into binding and loosing. 
and it proves. Now you realize that for a lot of people, this may be their ministry. They they might not be able. They might not be in a position where they can go out and in you know, not everybody's called to be a street preacher. Not everybody has that disposition. I don't have that disposition. You might think I I don't. I don't. Um, I don't have that disposition. I, not to say I haven't went out and been in public venues and been very vocal. I, but it's not really me. It's not what I think I'm really good at. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm more, I'm too afraid of me going out and me getting in the flesh, to be quite honest. I don't really trust myself, to be quite honest, regarding that whole matter. Um, that's <laughs> just i'm being flat out honest uh i probably need more control of the holy spirit on me but i don't also feel like that's my calling you know and we're all we all have different callings we all have different strengths and weaknesses you know and like i said i think that would actually be potentially for me be a weakness like if i was like a street preacher personally and not only that i just it's not my calling and i don't right now i'm so i got my hands so full with all this with this ministry, I'm up to my eyeballs. <laughs> so, but for a lot of people, maybe you've wondered what your calling was and, and it's not been shown. Well, you could bind and loose in prayer, you know? And if you don't feel like that's your calling, well, at least, I mean, it might, it, we're, it's all of our callings to bind and loose. It may not be your primary, but I believe we're all called to it. Just like you're all called to, to pray and to try to live holy and, and through the Lord and um, to try to witness when you can and maybe, you know, getting, getting tracks out. And there are certain things I think that we should all try to be doing. Um, but you might have more of a thrust for that. Now, that gets into the realms of, of some people are called to be like dedicated intercessors. And, you know, I get a lot of prayer requests from people, but guys, you got to know my primary calling is not to be a dedicated intercessor. I, I don't have time. If I was a dedicated intercessor, I would have to stop everything that I'm doing with contendingfortruth.com and just pray all the time. And I'm not saying I don't pray, but I've got so much on my plate with this ministry, there's no way I can do that and do the dedicated intercessor thing. Um, so it's very, very hard for me to, you know, do that because I can only spread myself so thin type of thing. But there are some people that are 100%, they are dedicated intercessors, and I'm sure there's probably not near enough of them. I mean, maybe there's a lot of people that are called, but they're not walking out their calling. The Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. And I think if we had, let's say, some legions of dedicated intercessors that were actually right with God, that were actually doing binding and loosing, um, and the other things that you can do as far as spiritual warfare, I mean, that would be amazing. I just feel like there's so much leaven people are bound up in, so much bad doctrine that is hindering so much of what God would like to do through the body of Christ. That's one reason. I'm sure there's others. To be a tremendous asset both here at the church and across the country, and everywhere it's gone, it has worked miracle after miracle after miracle because the average person can do it. Yeah, it's my joy to tell people across the country. You That's know, what I'm saying I guess what I meant to say earlier is that okay, let's say you, you don't know what God wants you to do, we'll start binding and loosing. I mean, 
if you're faithful with little, the Bible, there's a biblical concept, if you're faithful with little, and, and we're all called to do that, well then, God will give you more if he, if you prove faithful in a little. And then maybe as you're buying and listening, you ask God, you know, I've still, maybe God, I don't feel like this is my primary calling. What is my primary calling? You know, maybe you'll be shown that once you're faithful with that. And it's something that we, we need more and more of, this concept of binding and loosing. We got a lot of people saying, oh, yes. Oh, you've got a great ministry. I see it all. Oh, yes, it's coming clear. <laughs> oh, yes, Lord. Yes, yes, I've got it. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, sister. God's got a great ministry for you. <laughs> I've heard this so many times in the Pentecostal charismatic church, what he's saying right here. You're going to go across the seas and carry this glorious message, God's <laughs> thrilling in your heart. Your sister sits up. I love it. She never heard anything like that in her life, you know. <laughs> and nope. uh, go sell your house, sell your car, <laughs> give me half of it, go to Bible school. It's worth it all. Give me half of it. I'm so sick of these religious racketeers going around the country fleecing God's people. Uh. That's the norm, though. That's the norm now more than ever. I mean, it was bad, I'm sure, back in the 80s, but now it's just so the norm, you know, just money, 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 you know, which is what I kind of boiled what I got into earlier in the last part down to. I, I think it's the love of money is the root of all evil. And then also the whole thing about losing listeners or followers or whatever, I think that's a big one, too. Well, then that would affect money, you know. And then the persecution that might ensue. And, you know, there's a lot of factors. God grant us enlightened believers who will open their minds and shut their pocketbooks to these robbers. They're nothing but thieves Amen. and robbers. Amen. They're hustlers. They're religious hucksters. Amen. God does not finance his work that way. Yep. Amen. People going around and begging and pleading and got the hand out all the time. You don't raise money around or here. ads. I mean, just constant barrage. Dave Hodges will put out a five-minute video and half of it's an ad. You know, every, I mean, it's so obnoxious. I'm sorry, but it's so stinking obnoxious. You go up to Tom Hornsite, it's like a, a barrage of, of the of the carnal uh just so much ads selling this selling that this book that book this special that special so many of these sites that i talked about it's just both sides of the website are just nothing but selling you stuff so there's obviously a hidden agenda there i mean it's not really hidden and i'm not saying that if they've got a nice good quality product that they shouldn't promoted but it gets so obnoxious and overbearing so much of the time with these ministries it's maddening can you imagine if i did that with this ministry if i stopped every 10 minutes and, and ran a, a two to three minute ad you know how old that would get i've never ever ever nor would i i would cringe at the thought of doing something like that if i had to do that in order to stay in ministry, that would be my cue from God to get out of ministry and do something different because I'm obviously not doing God's will. God's taking care of me. After walking away from chiropractic totally in 2010 and moving up here to North Carolina with 
like knowing really nobody i mean i knew the people that helped us up here i met them right then you know no i haven't been in any kind of 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 nine to five jobs since i've been up here it's all been the ministry god's taking care of us we're not <laughs> like you know living high on the hog i'm not living in some whatever i'm not driving some fancy car i'm not doing any of that but god's been good to us god's been very good to us and i have nothing i have no complaints regarding all that god's been so good to us and he's it's come through my listeners you know the lord's worked through my listeners to make all that happen and i'm i'm satisfied i'm good i'm blessed I don't need to have some brand new vehicle I'm driving around in some fancy house in some whatever. Um, I could have had that, I believe, had I stayed in doing what I was doing. <laughs> like I said before, with the chiropractic and the clinical nutrition. I'm doing some stuff there that not a lot of chiropractors are doing. And there's a tremendous demand for it. But I just felt like this was was way more from a spiritual standpoint and an eternal standpoint, what much more needed. Um, and now, <laughs> here in 2020, I'm looking around. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! I mean, the Trump train thing alone—it's just—it's scary, scary stuff. How many people are deceived at this point? Yeah, that way. Never been a pledge card signed here. Hmm? Yep. What good will a pledge card do? Just take up time and space in the file cabinet. If you're going to be honest with God, you'll be honest. If you want, you won't. Signing a card's not going to make you any more honest. Huh? See, because he wasn't greedy. And that's rare. You ever go to one of these places where they have a wave offering? <laughs> wave offering. Or they say they want a quiet offering, don't make any noise. <laughs> Get that paper stuff that doesn't make any noise. Have a wave offering. Put put the money in your hand. Wave it, you know, to the Lord. <laughs> now get it, ushers, quick before they put it away. <laughs> All this seed faith stuff is completely abomination. There's no scripture for that. Do you, do you know that's how the vast majority of, of the particularly television ministries operate? And I'm sure a lot of 501c3 churches operate that way. I mean, do they have no fear of God? I just, it's unbelievable. You plant seed faith, you plant money for seed faith and somebody else will get it, I bet you. Uh -huh. Where do you reckon that money went? Well, it's building the building. Huh? Better wake up. A lot of shenanigans going on in the religious world. A lot of fundraisers decide the religious field was a good place to operate. And a lot of religious people started out, and they may have even had a vision in the mm -hmm. beginning, mm -hmm. but they overstretched. They tried to enhance and make the vision come to pass. They got overstretched, and they found out that friendly banks would loan them any amount of money. Mm -mm -mm. But then they and that is not biblical. The borrower is slave to the lender. Sorry, it's not biblical. There's no Bible for it at all. You know, I'm not coming down on people that are in debt, but I'm just telling you, it's it's bondage. The borrower is slave to the lender. 
you know M mortgage if you break the word down mort is death okay like mortuary mortality mort is death gauge is contract it's a death contract now i'm not saying that a lot of people don't break out of the death contract by by actually paying off their house but it's it's bondage out the friendly banks also want a friendly payment every month and so then they have all these bills to pay so then they have to run and they have to right. use the fundraising squeeze yep. they get bagathons and all this kind of see stuff. i never again i knew this stuff i learned a lot of this the hard way earlier before i ever got into ministry and i knew i wasn't going to ever bring that into ministry not none of that none of that concept and again i don't want to use myself as some gold standard i'm just saying i knew i wasn't going to do any of that stuff and if i had to do that stuff then i'm not going to be then i'm not meant to be doing this particular kind of ministry if i got to go into debt up to my eyeballs or whatever i need to go i need to do something different stuff going on i think i shall throw up if i hear another bagathon I mean, it's bad enough when the secular people do it. But when people get on and advertise that poor old God's broke, oh. help poor old God pay his TV bill. Why not let it go unpaid and clear the TV waves? Hmm? Some of it couldn't be worse. Binding and loosing is a tremendous weapon that God has put within our grasp. And go back to Matthew 18 again. Let me call attention to something else. The 18th verse talks about binding and evil spirits and loosing the spirits of God. The 19th verse is tied right to it. Again, I say unto you, if any two of you, which two? The two that have been binding and loosing. This promise is not for everyone. It's for those who are binding and loosing. If any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask it shall be done of them by my father which is in heaven see why some people haven't been able to cash this check they had nothing in the account if you're a binder and a looser you get to claim this verse 20 is also tied into the same verse for where two or three who are binding and loosing are gathered together in my name there am I in the midst of them Now, am I twisting the scriptures, or is that what it really says? I don't think you can separate those three verses. The three verses are talking about the same crew. If two of you, uh, you know, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven, if two of you who are binding and loosing shall agree touching anything. Oh, okay. That they shall ask. Okay, now let me go over this. This is, this is interesting what he's saying. Matthew 18, 18, which I've already said, um, the, Jesus Christ talking, Verily I say to you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if, it, then he goes into this, um, Jesus does, if, that if two, that if two of you shall agree on the earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So um, the reason he's saying these are three verses that are in succession. And he's, and Jesus starts out by saying, Verily I send you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
So, yeah, I mean, he's making a case that, that they are related. I don't think they necessarily, I don't think necessarily if two or three of you are gathered together, you have to do binding and loosing. That's the only way those prayers are going to work. There obviously could be something else that you're praying about. But it is, it is one application of it. I think he makes a pretty good case for that. And I never really tied all that together uh, until he just pointed that out. Them. It's good to get with binding and loosing, folks, if you want your prayers answered. Amen? Now, you say, oh, well, then that means everybody ought to come to Hagwish. No, that means everybody ought to learn how to bind and loose. Amen. We have no interest in being the center of anything. It's easy, though. This is not hard. You know, it's not hard. It's, it's easy. We're interested in finding out what God does and then sharing it with every believer who listen to us so they can become a center themselves. Amen? I get tired of these people who have the exclusive truth. <laughs> You've got to come to us to get it. Yep. Yep. How about truth that can be shared with the body of Christ? Do you know how many ministries and people that have contacted me over the years and they say they've got some exclusive revelation from god that i've never even heard of some off the wall thing that n never have i ever heard in my life and it's just downright heretical and i and i will a lot of times go back to them and say you know it must be so awesome to be you to have such an exclusive access to God and this special revelatory information that has never been shown to anyone ever on the face of the planet other than you. Maybe it's that pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Maybe that pride has blinded their eyes and, and it wasn't God that actually showed them that. Now, I'm not saying God can't show one person one thing and another person another that maybe they're not aware of. I'm not. It's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about ministries and people that are clearly operating in a very 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 high level of pride so they can do it themselves isn't that better i'd much rather sit down and pray and get a preacher delivered and instructed on how to deliver people and send him back to his own congregation let him go to work on them than for me to have to go over there for one thing it's too slow it's too hard and it'll take too long We'll never get the job done. God's plan is for the truth to be shared among the body of believers and let them learn how to do these things. That's why we print the books. That's why we send out the tapes, the videos, is to help people learn what we've learned. Then they can start where we are and go forward because what, we've, what we're talking about will work. It's been tried and cross-tried. Now, again, you could, if you want to know specifically more about this, you can just key in when we're binding and loosing and i'm sure there's manuals and um well actually is that what i pulled up earlier hold on well warfare prayers yeah but binding and loosing he's probably got a book just like a book he only has like little booklets try the, the guy's not trying he was never trying to grow he when Worley's passed away um just so you know i i not exactly sure i think in like the late I don't know 2008 maybe I, I don't know but um uh he's probably got a specific booklet on binding and loosing if you want to avail yourself to that you might be able to find it online where you can just view it or print it out or whatever or kindle version i don't know it, it's probably something you can do and it will definitely work angels of god have been sent to locate people that have been lost or contacts been lost with them right 
I remember a mother had a 16-year-old daughter. She came to a deliverance worker. She said, would you pray for my daughter? I don't know whether she's alive or dead. She ran away about six, eight months ago. 16, 17 years. I mean, God knows where they're at. So, haven't heard from her. Don't know whether she's alive. Don't know whether she's dead. And said, would you pray with me? He said, we'll do better than that. He said, Father, would you send an angel? Go find that girl if she's alive. Have her call, write, or come see her mother. A week later, the phone rang. And this girl was in California. And the phone rang half a continent away. And she said, Mama, this is so-and-so. Told her where she was, what her phone number was, what her address was. She said, I'm all right, I'm working, got a job. And she said, but this week, she said, every, all day long and every night, I could hardly go to sleep because I just kept feeling like I have to call Mama. I really ought to call Mama. Just really, I've got to call her. That angel was just nudge, nudge, <laughs> nudge. Now, if you want somebody to nudge you, send an angel after him. The angel never gets tired of nudging. And he kept nudging that girl for seven days and nights. Now, I heard, I heard another person, another minister talking about this, and he said that because the body of Christ is not doing this, is not doing this gigantically, using this gigantically powerful weapon that we have, or uh, regarding binding and loosing, a lot of the good angels are bored. I mean, I mean, I, I understand. I'm not saying they're bored, but they're they don't have anything to do because they they want to be in action, they want to be about doing God's will. But see, it's kind of a group, a kind of a combo effort. It's not you know just God up there. It it's it's in concert with the saints praying and fasting and and uh, these type and binding and loosing and these types of things. And there's a lot of a lot of angels that are you know not able to really walk out what they would want to do either because there's no there's hardly any binding and loosing going on and there's other factors too. And she picked up the phone and called Mama. This has been repeated time and time again. You can bind spirits of slowness and dullness and lack of concentration and other things that interfere with children being able to learn in school. And you can, lose, you can lose spirits of retentive mind and other things that are listed in the booklet as suggested things of uh, concentration, ability to concentrate, ability to remember, and so forth. You can lose all of those things into your children. You can do this every day. And mothers and fathers who've done this daily have seen children who are making D's and F's come to A's and B's and hold within as little as two weeks. And the kids were not studying anymore. Many times the kids were just breaking their back, studying at home, just could never get the stuff. But the praying, the binding and loosing, does it. We have, we have cases uh, that we know about where IQs have definitely been changed. Now imagine if you combine this with like some specific nutritional changes and maybe supplements that you add in, like a good, really good high quality fish oil for a child. And... Um, getting them off all like the the or a ton of the white sugar and and the so, the soft drinks which is going to spike the blood sugar and create all kind of other problems and you know th there's other things that you can do and then you start to have synergy you start to have 
you're buying an leucine. You're doing you're doing the clinical or, or the nutritional side. Maybe you're doing the supplemental side, and um, maybe they're getting better rest patterns. You start combining all those things, and it's even more effective. Letter on my desk: a man who took some civil service tests. He took them, and he made low grades. He went back after buy, he'd come here for a workshop. He learned about binding and loosing, started binding and loosing, and got some deliverance. And after deliverance and the binding and loosing, he went back, took them over, and now, he made a- Now, I would say also that if you, and I'm gonna go ahead and just post this now. I'm gonna post it in the in right below. And what it's gonna be is, I wouldn't go into the realm of binding and loosing until you've done the Wind Whirly mass deliverance and the Derek Prince breaking curses videos and if necessary however many times before you're not manifesting symptoms or symptoms i shouldn't say that uh where you're not manifesting deliverance type uh things like coughing dry heaves that type of stuff okay uh, because <clears throat> you want to make sure that your is that you've got a good amount of deliverance in yourself before you start binding and loosing. Because again, I'm not saying you can't do that over yourself, but if you're going to really go into spiritual warfare, like with these prayers, I really believe you should have a certain level of deliverance in yourself because I don't want you to bite off more than you can chew. And let's say you've got a whole bunch of open doors that haven't been addressed. And then you go into binding and loosing, you become a big gigantic target for Satan and he's got all kind of open doors to access you and then your life becomes crazy. Okay, so I should have said that earlier. I am going to post, and I posted it many times, the Wind Whirly and the Derek Prince um, portion of that. And again, you might need to do the Wind Whirly one, three, four, five times. Man, I did it a, I did it a couple months ago and, I, and you know, it was like I did it the first time. And I really believe it's like I'm peeling a layer of an onion. And you get to deeper levels. And I also believe that that these things, um, now I'm not saying it's the exact same spirits, but these things try to, if you're doing, if you have a calling, they're going to try to, I mean, Win Worley talks about it a lot. It's like fleas. They try to jump back on you and stuff. You know? And he, he does daily deliverance from what I've heard. It's just part of spiritual warfare. Now, I don't mean gigantic deliverance sessions, just very brief things where, you know, which kind of goes along the line of binding and loosing. I'm going to stop this audio right now and just do that before I forget it. Okay. So I just, I posted that under this in the PDF again for, if you're listening to this, maybe on YouTube or somewhere, um, for uh, September 7th, 2020 at contendingfortruth.com. As usual, all the PDFs are always free. All the audios are free. And what I entitled this is How to Pass from Curse to Blessing by Derek Prince and Win Worley Deliverance. So, um, this is something that should kind of be foundational and then essentially, um, once you've got this handled, then I would say, then progress into binding and loosing and the other aspects of spiritual warfare, like the prayers that we're doing at the start. I mean, again, I would really rather people go through the deliverance sessions and breaking curses and a lot of times these can be generational they can be things you're not aware of in your family line do that get that right and then i would say then start really engaging in the spiritual warfare i, I believe that's just scriptural what i'm telling you to do you know 
and um, God may reveal a lot to you along the way as well and prepare you better to get more into the spiritual warfare. I just think we need this now more than ever. So I'm going to go ahead and try to, I'm way over on time here, but let's go ahead and try to fit, wrap this up here. From a copy of both sets of grades, the ones before and after deliverance and loosen. It'll work, people. You see, the thing is, we've got to stop being so lazy and so passive and say, okay, God, hit me with it. You got something? Let me have it. Well, you know, you know what you're going to get? Nothing. But God has good things, wonderful things, for those who will cooperate with him. And this binding and loosing is a mighty offensive weapon. And if you don't have one of the warfare prayers and the little binding and loosing book with us, an investment I'd advise you to make, stick it in your Bible, study them, and ask the Lord to show you that, what those yep. mean, and then take you even yep. further. And these are booklets you could literally, I mean, depending on how big your Bible is, you can slide them right in there and just keep it in there. They're just little booklets. And when you make new... And they don't cost that much. Again, you could just look it up, but I think Hegwich Baptist Church, Winworley, you do keep, I'm pretty sure they sell them all. You can probably find them online. I just don't like to buy off of Amazon whenever I can avoid it because they're so wicked. Discoveries, by all means, let us know. And we'll be glad to share it with other believers. Already, we're getting feedback of material that you wouldn't believe that's coming in from other people across the country on various phases of spiritual warfare. This is war. It's all-out war. Amen. And binding and loosing is one way that we can whip the enemy. It's also a way that in the coming days of crisis that are coming on the world, you and I are going to be able to survive when the world goes under. Now, he said this in 1980. Can you imagine how much worse it is now? This is why I really am convicted about keying in on this now because, you know, we may be in the very near future where <laughs> it may be a matter of months where they take out the internet or there's an EMP attack or whatever, all these different scenarios that I've been talking about here and this ministry may cease to exist. These may be some things that you even want to record um, maybe on your computer, but the problem is, is if we get hit with an EMP and your computer's not protected, all that'll be gone. So you, you could, you know, maybe record it and put it in some type of EMP proof container or bag or whatever. There's a lot of those they sell online. I don't know. Just some thoughts that I'm putting out there. If we learn how to use our spiritual warfare, our spiritual ammunition and all of this, we're going to be able to float when the world sinks. Right. Now, God's giving us time to get our basic training now. It may be critical in days ahead. Yep. We've got time. God is giving us time to learn how to have Jesus as our healer. Because there are going to be times, if the crisis times come that they're predicting, everybody's predicting, we're going to have times when there's going to be no access to any other kind of help except mm. spiritual help. Yep. Can Jesus do these things? It'll be a lot easier to pray with faith if you've already seen it work. Right. right. I think what he meant there is like you don't have access to a hospital or, you know, if you go to a hospital, it means, you know, you're going to get the COVID-19 test and you're going to get the COVID-19 vaccine and you're going to be locked into their system. You understand? That wasn't even a factor back then in 1980. I mean, man, I was like, what? how old was I then? I don't know. 10? In 1980? Yeah. Around there. 10 or 11. <clears throat> so 
what he's saying here is way more pertinent now than it even was then. Haven't you noticed that it's easier when you pray for somebody's leg to be lengthened, you see it grow out, you know, the next time it's not hard to pray for at all, is it? You look expectantly to it because you've seen it work. You know it works. It's the same thing with, with healing. It's the same thing with binding and loosing. It's the same thing with stopping the enemy attacks against us. So I would encourage you to get your basic training in now. Don't sit around and wait, but rather learn now. You say, oh, well, I plan to do that. You know, I, I've been thinking about it. And uh, several weeks ago, I, I decided, now I've got to get into this thing and get really get, get with it. It'll be a daily program. But you haven't done it yet, have you? See, you've got to get cranked up and going. You've got to get with it and stay at it. That's the way it works. It is worthwhile because it will cause the enemy to be blown out of his socks. And isn't that what we want? You can either choose to fight the enemy and whip him, or he's going to whip you. You say, well, when I fight him, he whips me anyway. Well, if he's going to whip you anyway, you might as well whip him too. Hmm? The thing is, you see, he's trying to make you give up and just passively take all his blows and, and not strike back. I'm but again, like I said before, one of the reasons somebody might be getting whipped is because they've got huge open doors. And then we get back to the breaking off curses in, in the mass deliverance where you're getting rid of a lot of demonic baggage and or curses which may close a lot of those open doors which then gives you the ability to properly engage in warfare urging you to arm yourself with the weapons of our warfare and get with it so that you can be in the war and that god can use you as a soldier against the enemy whatever you bind and loose he says i give you the keys to the kingdom you want people saved the keys to the kingdom whatever you bind on earth bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth loose in heaven loose the spirit of adoption the spirit of adoption will draw people to christ draw him up close enough the holy spirit will hit him with conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Pull him right to Jesus. Lose the spirit. How often do you do it? Do it every day. You know, we've got a lot of these one-timers. You know, oh, I just pray once and it's done. <laughs> well, that would be lovely if it worked that way. It just simply doesn't seem to work so good. What I'd like you to see you do is rather than to pray and speak and have it done, speak until it's done. Yeah. I think God's people ought to be persistent enough to outdo the devil. I had a demon one time look at me and very honestly told me, unfortunately I knew it was the truth, he said, Worley, you're pretty stupid. Well, now, if you'd been around, I wouldn't have admitted it, but I told him, I said, yeah, I guess that's right. He said, you don't know a whole lot. I said, that's true. He said, but you are so blankety-blank persistent, and we hate your guts for it. <laughs> well, maybe you're not real smart, and maybe you don't know very much. But if you can be persistent and use what little you know against the enemies, you will win, people. You'll see startling and staggering victories, and you'll be able to pass it on to other people who will also be able to win. And won't that make it all? Won't that make it worth everything? It will be worth it all.
Okay, so that's all we have for uh, part two, and we will go to part three next. God bless you.